It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. the number, the text WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Coming up later this morning, how's the hair? I'm sitting here with something above me ears that looks like a bursted cushion and have been now for a couple of weeks. I've started to tear at myself and drag at myself and scratch myself like an old cat in the corner every time I get half a chance and it's horrible and I really need someone to take this thing into control and that's just me last time I got my hair cut was about two weeks before Christmas just before the all the hair the salons closed again but can you imagine trying to do colouring can you imagine trying to do curls can you imagine trying to keep a, a big barnet under control in the midst of all of this what are you doing any home disasters to report and how can you possibly do it without destroying yourself permanently we'll do that at some stage this morning. Speaking of things we miss during lockdown, like the haircuts and stuff, is there anything you'd like to be doing this weekend or any weekend? Weather is quite nice out there now, and the forecast of the weekend is meh But is there anything really nice that you'd love to do this weekend? I'm not talking about Anthony Lambert. I'm talking about that. Something simple. Simple that you really, really miss. Do you know that kind of thing? You know, ordinary, simple things. I was saying on a Twitter conversation one night with a guy who really, really thinks uh, that I've lost the plot on COVID-19. I was saying, I want to take my son to a concert. I want to go to a rugby match. I want to do things with my friends and my family like I used to do with my friends and my family this time last year. That's all I want. Have you anything like that? Something else I'd love to be able to do as well. I'd love to be doing a gig. I haven't done a gig since before the first lockdown. I'm, I'm, I don't do many gigs anymore, but I miss gigs. I really miss gigs. Like, for example, imagine the fun you'd have this weekend in a crowded pub at someone's 30th or 40th ba- birthday at about 20 to 1. And the manager is telling you, stop the music. And there's people up on tables wrecking the place to this. Imagine the fun you'd have this weekend. So I miss that. Miss that. That's all to come a little bit later on. Any thoughts? 083 396 96 96. Something that you really, really, really miss. I'll also be talking later this morning to a woman who's trying to find somebody. She's trying to find someone that her granddad 
rescued from the River Lee. It's a long time ago. This person might be very elderly, may no longer be with us, but she would love to find out who they were. That's all to come a little bit later on this morning. But first of all, it seems to me that Neffet have given up the ghost with regard to trying to eliminate this COVID-19 virus from our country. We have talked at length on this programme over the last six, eight, nine, ten months about the approach taken in Australia. Australia particularly. Australia particularly. New Zealand is the gold star of how it was supposed to be done. But we accept that Australia is probably closer to how we do it here because of all the borders they have and all the inherent difficulties that go with that. But we're looking to Australia and other countries too. There's a list of places, Taiwan being another one. But Australia would be the one we'd have most most identification with. And we've looked at how they've done it and we've, we said, we want that. We want that. We want you to do whatever it takes to do that. Please, at least try. Please guide our government and guide us to do it. Last night, Professor Philip Nolan, the modelling expert with Neffet, pretty much told us that that can't be done. I think it's an utterly false promise to say if we put certain things in place now, we can go to level zero or level one in a matter of weeks or months. That won't happen. And it would be an incredibly risky thing to do uh, because of the fact that we will inevitably be a leaky country. We will inevitably get reintroduction of disease. Uh, That disease could easily be new variants. Um, So so I think a a much more realistic strategy to say, let's get the level of disease down and then let's work to keep it there. There are plenty of people that I respect that are advocating for this strategy, but I simply disagree with them. Um, I, I think it's a false promise. Uh, And if the promise were brought to fruition, it would be a huge risk. He was echoing what uh, Dr. Tony Holohan had said previously at the same briefing. We are a small economy, dependent on those links that we have built very carefully as a country with the rest of Europe, dependent on them for a variety of economic and social and cultural reasons, dependent on them for basic foodstuffs, for basic medications and other essential things as part of daily living. We simply couldn't realistically seal the borders of this country and stop movement of people in and out. Now, I was watching Twitter, as you do with these things, and watching the people that I follow on Twitter, one of them, of course, being Professor Anthony Staines. And and when I saw Professor Staines approaching this with a kind of, with all due respect, kind of a tweet... I said, I have to talk to him in the morning. Anthony, good morning to you. Good morning, BJ. Um, they seem to be saying you just simply can't do it and stop trying to say you can. Well, there's clearly a very concerted PR campaign being run now by the government, and I'm slightly disappointed that Neffet are part of it. The, the message that's going out is to achieve zero COVID, you have to seal the Northern Ireland borders, seal the external borders, stop all movement of goods, people, everything else in and out. And obviously, first of all, we can't do that, even if we wanted to. Secondly, if we could, it would be, for all the reasons Philip articulated and Tony articulated, it would be a disaster. Mm. There's a lot of stuff we need to come into the country. There's a lot of stuff we need to go out of the country. And none of this is part of any intelligible zero-COVID strategy. You know, we, we are not setting ourselves up as North Korea. So 
what zero COVID means in practical terms is, as Tony has said, bringing the number of cases down to the lowest number possible, first of all. Mm. Now, we've, we have had a one-trick pony response to this, which is lockdowns. Mm. And lockdowns do bring numbers down, but as WHO keeps saying, they do not control infection. And as we keep demonstrating, mm. they do not control infection. What we've not done is we've not put the resources into public health to contact tracing. We're only going back to testing close contacts, I think, today or yesterday, which is shocking. And contact tracing is still, it's still not working after 11 months of pandemic. We're still not doing it mm. properly. When you look at the example, they got a case, a loose, like a loose case in the last seven or eight days in New Zealand. Mm. One case. And I've been following how they reacted to it. And my God, it's like turning the army on two guys with a cap gun. But that's what yeah. you need to do. Yeah, that, that's exactly. What, what, and the, the way it works, New Zealand is the end game. Yes, t- Tony is, uh, is absolutely right. There will still be cases. That's inevitable. But the, the key word there is a case, two cases. We don't close the country if there's so a case of an infectious disease in Dundalk. We probably don't close Dundalk. We go into Dundalk, we identify the people, we identify their contacts, we isolate them, we isolate their contacts, which is a pain, let me tell you, a real pain for all of those involved. Mm. We test them. And after some suitable period of time, we let them go. Well, we don't allow spread of the virus. And that's how we do it. That's how we manage infectious disease day in, day out, week in, week out. So if we have an outbreak of some diarrheal disease in a nursing home, which occasionally happens, mm. we don't close the nursing home and throw the residents onto the side of the street. We bring in public health measures. We restrict movement in the nursing home. We bring in strict sanitation measures and we control the outbreak and after a few days things go on as before, if we do it right. Mm. I want to play a clip um, Anthony and see what you think and see what you back up with he's saying. As, as you may know we've become uh, good friends on this show with Dr Noel Conroy who has mm. been leading a team in Queensland over the last year or so and they've done an enviable job. When you look at videos coming out of Queensland, I want to get on a plane and it used to take me a month to get in there. Um, yeah. Here's what Niall said to me in our most recent conversation about getting to zero or managing to get to zero. You know, I hear a lot of this, well, Australia's different and New Zealand's different, and and that's true. But mostly they're different because they made a choice to, to, to to try to get to zero COVID. There are two states and two states only in which you can exist as a nation when there's a, a pandemic like this. You can eliminate it and you can have some form of normality or you can live with restrictions and lockdowns there's no in between people keep trying to sell this idea of well look we'll try and live with 10 or 20 or 50 cases a day or whatever it is and we'll get some semblance of normality the reality is you can't achieve 10 or 20 or 30 cases a day because once you have low numbers like that society opens up And unless you can keep control of every single solitary case, which no country has ever managed to do, then you'll end up back to square one. Anything in that you disagree with, Anthony? No. 
No, not, and Niall is a case in point. He's an Irish-trained public health physician of really high calibre who left Ireland because it's incredibly frustrating trying to work here as a public health physician. And he's now also, um, leading a major programme successfully in Queensland. And it's just a pity is he's not leading the programme here. Yeah. Yeah, there was talk about, particularly around the border areas, and I'm sure you've been listening to what Dr. Gabriel Scally has been saying on this program and others, and particularly seeing as he trained and is from the north of Ireland, his understanding of the border issue is, I think, better than better than most medics. Um, mm. th- there is this thing about healthcare workers going over and back, and people going over and back on a constant basis over the border and back over the border on the same day. Um, mm. Professor Luke O'Neill was talking about antigen testing before and after the border. Is that a real a, a reality for people who have to go back and forth? I think it, it's possible, but it's probably not necessary and it's probably not that beneficial because the tests themselves are not that reliable. Mm. If, they, if the tests were perfect, it would be a different story, but they're, they're not really. What, what has been done in similar situations elsewhere, Australia being a case in point, but also the Vietnam-China border, um, people who need to cross the border, say for work, to receive health care, uh, there are many, many border communities where you know you live on this side of the border, but actually the supermarket is on that side of the border. Yeah. So you you put in place specific arrangements for those communities. First of all, you put in place specific arrangements for essential workers who need to cross the border. But if you want to cross the border because the pubs are closed in Donegal and open in Strabane, well, I'm very sorry, go away, or vice versa. Yeah. So it is very much about controlling stuff. If you're a lorry driver, say, delivering from Belfast down to Dublin, we put in place a special arrangements. The typical thing that happens is you come in, you stay in your cab, you don't get out of your cab, you turn around and you go back up again. You show your documents electronically, you show them through the window of the cab. But you don't get out, you don't have a cup of coffee with your mates down at the depot in Dublin, you know, which is is painful for everybody because it's part of it's a nice part of the job, but we put we put up with it. So we're we're not talking about sealing the borders. Is completely the wrong way to think about this. This is about managing the border. Mm. The bit that's hit most is foreign recreational travel. Yeah. So if you're um, if you want to come on holidays to Ireland and you have to spend a fortnight in the airport hotel. The airport hotel is very nice, but nobody's going to come to Ireland on holidays Mm. and spend a fortnight in the the airport hotel and then go off on their holiday. And equally, no one from Ireland is going to go to Spain, spend a fortnight in the airport hotel there, go on a holiday, spend another fortnight in the airport hotel on the way back. Nobody is going to do that. So it, it hits foreign travel. Hmm. Anthony, come back to it because what you constantly get it's a bit like the publicans where when they were looking to get open before Christmas they were pointing to, oh sure there's no cases traced directly back to pubs, which we found out was a nonsense statistic and we're able to prove it to them we constantly hear that there are so few cases coming in through international travel or at least so many, so few that we can document, but is that a false argument? It, it is a false argument for two reasons. The first is we're not asking. So because we don't have an adequate... It's amazing how many things keep going back to we're not doing contact tracing properly. 
because we're not doing contact tracing properly, we're not finding out where most people get infected. So if you look at the figures, a lot of people are infected by someone in their home. But a lot of people are infected in the community, unquote, which is a nice way of saying we've absolutely no idea where you were infected. Mm. Somewhere out there you were infected. So we don't know because we don't ask. There also seems to be a bit of an add-on to that. And I I have a friend who works in contact tracing, so I'm not trying to upset the people who work there because I have great respect for them. They work very hard. Mm. But almost, well, we've no idea where you got it. And we kind of have to accept that. Yes, but we, we, don't, we don't have to accept that. We choose to accept that. And it's, it's a reflection of our reaction. We're driven by whatever happens with the virus. And we take what happens with the virus as if there's nothing we can do to change it. The whole point about controlling an outbreak is you seek to change what's happening. You seek to understand how people are getting infected so you can do something about it. So early in the pandemic, it became clear there were a number of major outbreaks in meat factories. And a whole bunch of stuff was done in the meat factories and in the accommodation of the meat factory workers to try and make them safer. And the outbreaks in the meat factories, we still get them, but they're not nearly as big a part of the whole problem as they were nine months ago. And we seem to be able to quench them. Yeah, we, we, we we have had one very recently. And I'm not saying we fixed everything. We have not. But knowledge is, knowledge is power in this. Mm. Knowledge is how you control it. Knowledge is how you bring it down. I heard a great analogy uh, on a programme I was listening to in the last few days. And I thought, right, I'm going to use that one on the air. And I did yesterday. Imagine that you've got someone in a forest and a fire starts. Do you wait for the fire to get out of control or do you send all your resources in and quench it there and then? And then when the fire is out or close to out, do you abandon it and just open up completely? No, you keep an eye on it with with targeted resources. This is a bit like a forest fire, isn't it? It is. And the people coming in, if we look at Australia again, there's about 40, 50 people at any given time in Australia with coronavirus infection. They're all in airports, quarantine hotels. Mm. Now, those people left their own devices. These are people who don't know they're ill. Okay? These are not evil people malevolently spreading coronavirus. These are people who may have no symptoms or hardly any symptoms or who fall ill a couple of days into their trip. If they were visiting Australia, if they were going around visiting friends, visiting family, they would be leaving an outbreak behind them. We saw that in New Zealand where there was an outbreak in one of the cities that was down to... A very sad case. Two women came over in quarantine, begged to go to the funeral of a much loved family member. And as I said, this is really sad. This is really hard. They were let go, and there were a couple of cases arose from that. Now, they, those cases were brought under control very swiftly mm. because everybody knew what was going on. But it does, does make the point. You know, we, we can't... We can manage professionals, we can manage flight crew, we can manage truck drivers. They're a different category. But we can't manage our effectively members of the general public visiting, people going to meetings, people going to family events without quarantine. And mm. the, the, there's, 
There's a very detailed study from the US from the last summer, which unfortunately says that we need 13 or 14 days of quarantine, that there really is, is no way around that. Mm. And we, we may even need more in the future. The, the last case in Australia was caused by someone who'd been in quarantine for 14 days and went out and fell, fell sick three days later. Mm. But the strain of virus that person carried had not been in Australia before. So it's almost certain that they brought that strain in with them. And mm. took a while to, to gestate yeah. within them. Yeah. Okay. All right, Anthony, I'm going to leave it there. Just wrap it up finally by, by coming back to where we started with the words coming from Neffet at the moment. Concerning to you as, as a public health expert? I, I think we have choices. Um, the government needs to be very plain about those choices. The choices are yo-yo lockdowns till the vaccines work. And there is really, really frightening evidence, very preliminary evidence, but frightening evidence from Manaus in Brazil, where they seem to have a variant which is resistant to previous infection. So there are people being reinfected there in significant numbers who have already been infected with an earlier strain. Such a strain is likely to be vaccine resistant and it's not likely to be the only one. That's so a bit scary. It is, it is. And I, I have been watching, I've been watching what's happened in Manaus where probably they're, 75% of the population have been infected, not vaccinated, infected. And they're now having a major outbreak on top of that. Mm. And it's, I mean, there are their hospital system has is overwhelmed. They've run out of oxygen. Venezuela, which is a country in destitution, is giving them oxygen, which is incredibly generous of them. Yeah. Venezuela. So that's, that is the situation. Yeah, that's. And right. I, you know, I admire the Venezuelans for that. I think it's great that they're doing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. We know, we know the shambles their poor country is in. Yes. Yes. So we're, I'm not saying we're going to go there. But I'm saying there are risks. That the longer this drags on, there are risks that we just can't calculate. It is, it is possible, it's not likely, but it's possible we could end up with another cycle of all of this going on for another two years. There's a report in the English press today about the mental health impact of this on teenagers, which, as you can imagine, is dire. We've seen uh, young, young people rioting in the Netherlands now, there's, there's a couple of different things going on there. It's not just, it's not purely COVID, but COVID is stoking anger. People are fed up. And as you said yourself at the top of the program, what people want to do is to get back to something resembling normal life. And our best shot at something resembling normal life is zero COVID. The, the price of that is border control, very active public health. But for most people, you get most of your lives back pretty much. Maybe we're, you're not going to a rave with 10,000 people. Maybe there's 50 people at your gig and not 200. But most of your life comes back. Mm. And that's, what, that's all we're, we're asking the government to, to consider that seriously. Yeah, that's what people want more than anything by the sounds of it. Listen, thank you very much as always, Professor Anthony Staines from DCU, 1850-715-996. Neffert says it can't be done. 
Professor Staines and others say, well, you're choosing not to do it. That's pretty much where we are. 1850-715-996. I, I, th- I think that it sets you thinking. Um, I asked you what you're missing from the weekend. Uh, the kind of things that you would love to do tomorrow, Saturday or Sunday. What would you absolutely love to do that you can't do and you miss desperately? And it's making this hard. And that's the thing. It's making it hard because I can't do the little things. That's next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See Motors.ie. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. Cork County Council's COVID-19 Community Support Programme is a coordinated community response to assist vulnerable persons with their daily needs. If you or anyone you know needs help in accessing non-emergency and non medical support or advice, call the dedicated confidential free phone number 1-800-805-819 or email covidsupport at corkcoco.ie from 9am to 5pm every day. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email corkdiary at 96fm.ie This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. I think of a typical Saturday on the end of January, okay? You'd love to be able to go for a bit of lunch uh, with a friend or family and have a point. Maybe watch a bit of sport on the telly. Maybe if there's a match on, it could be a couple of flies running up a wall, but it's competitive. You'd love to go. And, and after the match, a cold, horrible, cold January evening. Yeah, remember, it's the 73rd of January today. Like, let's not forget that. On a horrible, cold January afternoon, you want to be able to wrap yourself up warm and get chips and curry from the van. You know, and, and, and watch, to eat the watch of the match. You know, I miss that desperately. And then the point afterwards and stuff like that. You know, they're simple. And meeting your family and being able to go on a Sunday, go over to lunch and your brothers or your sisters and they come to you and your brothers are there and your sister is there and your mom is there and there's eight or nine or ten of you there. And it's fun. Simple, simple things that we all miss. Aaron. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. What do you miss? I just miss the simple things, you know, like going for a coffee, just meeting friends, going for a walk without feeling like that you're committing a crime. Yeah. You know, just all the small things, you know, being able to go for a walk into the town, have a browse in the shops, just all the small things. Yeah, yeah. The little things that make up a weekend. You, you finish yeah. work on a Friday, you go, great, now it's Saturday, what am I going to do with my Saturday? You're going to sit inside and look out, is what you're Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, or you know, like, like a woman, I must get my hair done. <laughs> yeah, well, I, t- I told you about my bursted cushion. How are you oh, getting yeah. on at the moment? Oh, 50 shades of grey has nothing on me. <laughs> and and that's the truth. Like, I was lucky that I was able to get it, done, get it done in October, but that was the last time I was able to get it done. Oh, my God. Last time, October? Yeah, so when, when they can reopen, I'll be first on the phone. <laughs> Well, we're going to be talking to Joe Byrne, hairdresser supreme, 
a little bit later on about any ideas you, you might have. But God, I mean, I got my. I mean, do you have long hair, Erin, or is it? Um, well, no, I normally have it in a bob because it doesn't suit me if it gets any long. But now it's actually long for me, and it's just driving me mad. Yeah, yeah. Have you tried any spraying dyes or washing dyes yourself? Um, no, my hairdresser would kill me. Yeah, I think most of them would. I, yeah, she would. She would. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, anything. She's like, no. <laughs> Don't even dream about it. I was like, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The hairdresser, I must say, I have to say that the Queen Bee will be, will be ever grateful to her hairdresser, who at the start of one of the lockdowns uh, left in a well, a, a, an agreed place, left a tiny little jar of the stuff that she puts into her hair because she had to cancel an appointment literally the day after lockdown was announced. So she left a tiny little jar of the colour. Because it's oh, <laughs> the uh, that was smart thinking. That was that was good. Yeah. All that right. We'll we'll be talking to Joan a little while about what you can do to try to keep it under control. Because one thing about it, when the hairdressers do open, they're going to make a fortune. Because oh, yeah, everyone's definitely. going to be in there. All right. <laughs> Everyone will be queuing. It'd be worse than Penny's queues. <laughs> try, to, try to enjoy the weekend in some way, shape, or form. Take care I'll of talk to you later. See Bye. You. Bye. That's Aaron. 1850 We're not talking about dramatic things. We're talking about simple, little ordinary things that we all did uh, a few years. I remember uh, one of the, when I was gigging regularly, um, which is a few years ago now, but I still we're doing a few. There's nothing I like more than than a a wedding or a fortieth or something on a Saturday night, and and a good gang, you know, with it with, with a few drinks in them and having the crack and playing stuff like this to a to a jammed up room at quarter to two in the morning. I loved it. You know? Yeah, that is what you think it is. Think of yourself on a table, right? Swinging your hands around your trousers rolled up to the knees miss that desperately miss it desperately yes some of the stuff people are missing I'd love to be able to go fishing with my dad and go for a few pints after simple out says Stephen and Michael and Teresa we'd love to be able to go to attend the celebration of mass again and meet our faith community lots of people actually desperately missing the exercise of their faith Willie, what people want is the unnecessary travel to stop, the holiday, etc. I think COVID is like flu. It'll always be around, but it is realistic to bring it down as low as possible. It could be brought down much further if the Taoiseach wasn't so wishy-washy, especially on issues like proper quarantine. Dr. Staines is talking about Brazil. We had a load of people come in from there recently. I'd love to know, is there anyone actually questioning people about where they're going when they go on holidays. Well, you're not supposed to be going on holidays. And we're told that there will be checkpoints close to the airport. And you'll be told, go, you're not going. Or if you do go, you are going to face a hefty fine and quarantine when you come home. But going outside the country at the moment, uh, breaking news, you're not allowed to go outside 5K, let alone 2,500K, no matter how lovely it is there. 1850 Keep those coming. Stuff that, you know, you miss. The ordinary, simple stuff that you miss. Like another, another simple thing. I love to go to the cinema with my son. And we pick an action movie because we love action movies. And 
We go and we get our huge buckets of popcorn and huge buckets of Coke and Fanta and jellies. And we sit inside, we watch a movie, the two of us, and it's just brilliant. And having a son who loves action movies gives me a passport as a dad to go to movies that I would look like a dirty old man at an awful lot of them. But I, I miss that so much, being able to take himself to, to the pictures. Uh, I miss it. And watching a video, watching a movie on the big telly at home is not the same. It's not the same at all. 1850-715-996. Speaking of watching stuff, and I know we can only buy them online right now, but there is a run. You listen to me now. There is a run on four poster beds. On what page? Four poster beds. They can't keep them in stock. None of the big bed shops can keep four posters in stock at the moment. And half of it is down to Bridgerton, of all things. It's one of the biggest streaming successes ever on Netflix. I watched it. I'm, I'm a bit nonplussed by it. I'm, I'm mildly amused by it at times, and if it's on, I won't switch it off. I'm not particularly enthused by the fact there might be eight series of it. Some people are can't wait for the next one. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the meh corner about Bridgerton, but then I'm not the... I'm not the target audience I get. But at the same time, the lovemaking scenes b- between the two stars are like they're raunchy as hell. Do you know what I mean? There'd have been times when the priests would have been banging the pulpits about those scenes. But not only are people buying four poster beds now, but one of the fantasies they're doing is can we, can we do that? Or can we see the piano? If you have a bit of a piano, do you know the piano? Any chance we could recreate Pretty Woman? You know the bit? Or I wonder how many of them are getting into the car. Get into the car at night to see can you kind of do Titanic. Remember that one? Remember that? Yeah. Why is this all this happening? Dr. Caroline West is a sex educator and the host of the Glow West podcast. And she joins me. Morning, Caroline. Morning. How are you? Good. It's strange, but people will, people are doing anything, I suppose, to get themselves through lockdown, including trying to spice up their sex lives in a strange way. Absolutely. And sure, look, it's free, so we're not spending any money. So, uh, you know, at least that's that's something there. But yeah, um, I wish I had the space for a four poster bed, but um, I'd be happy to be a furniture maker this time with, with the rush on four posters, be- four posters bed. But um, yeah, I mean, like there's nothing else to do, you know, we might as well kind of try and spice up our sex life a little bit. Um, I think most of us probably won't have a piano at home, but there's alternatives. Um, maybe you do if you live in a big house. But, um, you know, we have kitchen tables. Yeah. So that's, you know, a kind of realistic alternative to that. Yeah. <laughs> Clean it off first, though. Yeah, yes, definitely. Yeah, I'll make sure everyone, you've had your dinner and you're all sorted there as well. I don't want so. lasagna stains when you finish, like, <laughs> no. Well, some people could be into that, but um, yeah, most of us are, are yeah. we'd like it to come be a bit cleaner. But as well as in, the, in terms of the planning or something, planning something like the four poster bed or going out into the car on a cold night in the driveway, which is what you'd have to do. You could attract the attentions of the Gal if you did. But anyway, you're still within your five kilometres, I guess. Planning it might kill the excitement, though, would it? There's two 
great about that. Like, you know, being spontaneous can be great and that can be, you know, really kind of, oh, I thought we were just having a really boring day and the next minute, you know, you're, you're steaming up a car. But, you know, when it comes to things like intimacy, we're not mind readers. And I think that's where a lot of like breakdowns in communication and frustration happen. So communication is important and actually talking about intimacy can bring you closer. So it's really nice to say, hey, do you want to do this tonight? And then you have that in your head all day and you're looking forward to it. So it can actually build anticipation and mm. I think you know we live very busy lives now so like scheduling intimacy sometimes sounds very oh god like do we have to do that but actually it can make you go okay Friday night's going to be amazing you know I'm really looking forward to that like when we were first dating people you know you'd kind of go oh I'm meeting them on Friday and you'd look forward to that then all week so you kind of do bring a bit more excitement back into it and you know it gives you time to, to shave whatever needs to be shaved or you know accessories that need to be bought things like that so you know it, it can kind of add to the to you know the reality of, of what life is like in a long di- long-term relationship as well it does need a bit of spicing up should kind of want to be something as well that you'd both liked like there's no point let's bring back the piano there's no point in trying to do it if she absolutely hated pretty woman yeah, well, well, Pretty Woman is, a, you know, it's a story about prostitution and, and power dynamics. Exactly. That might appeal to a lot of people, but having sex on the piano might appeal as well. So they don't need to like the, the movie as such. And, you know, you might say, OK, well, we don't have our piano at home, but I'm going to have sex with you on the kitchen table or we're going to pretend the couch is a piano. Things like that. You know, <laughs> so it, it's kind of they might like the, your adaptation of it to our own little our bed sits and our one bedroom flats, things like that. So now you don't have to like it. And even if you know they're like, God, I hate that movie, never suggest it. Or maybe you don't even have to mention the movie. You're just saying, hey, look, let's try having sex this way you know and they might not even realise that's what you're doing but you in your head you know like you're getting that trail of going oh like I'm recreating this now that's great yeah there was another one on, that came up on the list of most popular ones uh, reading this from the, from this, the, the sun the pottery scene from Ghost now I remember that now, I was a much younger man yeah, watching that yeah. scene and like oh that's a bit that's, that's a bit racy for its time yeah, like definitely. that scene was very very racy but who's got a pottery wheel no, definitely not most of us, no. But I mean, maybe... Can we make a bit of banana possibly. bread? Interrupt the banana yeah, bread making, you know? If you're doing the dishes, you know, like these are all very kind of modern approaches to it as well. So, um, yeah, like coming up to, um, behind someone and kind of starting kissing them that way can be an, a nice thing, you know. So there are ways to adapt it. And I think we have to remember when it comes to things like Hollywood, you know, they're long scenes. They're filmed over a long period of time, like hours and hours or days. There's lots of breaks. There's mm-hmm. stunts doubles sometimes, you know, um, body doubles, there's lots of camera trickery. It's the same way that that's there in porn. So we need to have a little bit of literacy about it. So yeah. recognise... That's actually know, coming on the phone while we were talking, Caroline, that very yeah. that very question. Like those of us with three brain cells that work at the same time know that that scene, for example, the piano or the car or the one in the lift in Fifty Shades or something like, you know, they were created over days, if not weeks. And yeah. they were a whole project in, in, in themselves. Like you need to manage your expectations, I guess, at times. Absolutely. And like, look, most of us aren't that flexible, especially after a lot of lockdowns. You know, we might be not in the best shape sometimes after a lot of banana bread. So we have to remember that what we're seeing on screen isn't, you know, reflective. Like those people are professional. Like people in porn are professional athletes. You don't want to end up in A&E with something dislocated. No, definitely not. 
definitely not. So I suppose it's talking about it and recognizing, okay, if we're going to try this, let's have a laugh about it. So if you do fall off the bed, like just laugh about it. And then that actually brings you closer as well. So like, that's what real sex is. It's messy. It's silly. Someone's going to bash their head off something like, and that's all fine. That's what real sex is. It's not necessarily as super glam as, you know, a movie set that, you know, has really soft lighting and has taken five days to film. You know, you're not going to have that in real life so much. So I suppose just recognizing, you know, that's, that's what sex is. It's, it's very different to what we see on screen. Yeah, and and there's more spontaneity. Like they look, those scenes look spontaneous, but of course we know that they're not. And trying to create yeah. that spontaneity, just you, you kind of the only thing you're half afraid of is it, that you can end up in a row if if one partner doesn't expect the same as the other. Yeah, and if you're not in the mood, you know, and you're going, God, I really need to clean the dishes, like, go away from me, like, you know. So yeah. we need to have those kind of conversations. So it, it's kind of good to have them outside of the moment so even if you're sitting down over dinner and go hey do you know what it would be nice sometimes like maybe we could do this in the future and then see if they're open to it that way and then you know kind of enact it then but sometimes some people don't like surprises so they might not like that coming home and you've got a new four poster bed at home and you know there's expectations to try things so you know having that chat and I know talking about sex can be really awkward for some people but you know if someone's getting up close and personal and intimate with your body we should be able to talk to them as well about what we're doing with our bodies. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that lockdown is putting couples under pressure for that and other reasons? Yeah, I mean, like, look, it's a very stressful, anxiety-ridden time, you know, at the moment, and and stress and anxiety does impact libido. Um, It it just kind of kills it off. And uh, even if you're on medication for stress and depression, the the medication can also help kill off libido as well. So it is difficult. But I think sometimes maybe that's looking at, like, how we define sex. Sometimes we think it's the whole bells and whistles and, you know, swinging from the chandeliers, things like that. And maybe you think, I haven't got the energy for all that. So... (laughs) Maybe you can be broke the light fitting the last time. (laughs) Yeah, and we're not calling anyone out in the middle of lockdown for that, you know. Imagine trying to explain how that happened, you know. Yeah, God. Your electrician be like, Oh, not these again. But you know, maybe having something like a quickie or kind of going, Oh, you know what, I'm in the mood for this bit, but I don't want to do the whole lot together, Mm. you know, things like that. Because like that's the fun part of sex that you can make it whatever you want to make it. So and everyone defines sex and pleasure in very different ways. So it doesn't have to be a big glamorous production, things like that. As long as it's fun and as long as something you're both happy with, then you you make it work for yourselves. Dr. Caroline West, sex educator and host of the Glow West podcast. Thank you very much for being with us on the Opinion Line. 1850-715-996. Listen, whether it's a four-poster or an airbed, have fun this weekend. Fun now. All right, have fun. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. PJ, I would love, this is Maura, I would love to take my elderly parents for a spin to y'all, walk on the beach and go for coffee or lunch. The things we took for granted. They've been cocooning since February. 
I miss, says Deirdre, I miss having Sunday lunch with my son and daughter-in-law and getting one of his big bear hugs. That's from Deirdre. Uh, I'd love to be able to go fishing with my dad. A lot of stuff coming in like that. Geraldine, I know the Cove Confraternity Band. You had to tell Derry who they were. Oh, Great bunch of people. Great bunch of I people. I didn't tell you that. No, he swore me to keep that secret. <laughs> <laughs> They're a great bunch, but you've not been together for months. Oh, we haven't been together for a long time. And it's like um, when you're part of a group like that, it's like an extended family. Yeah. We yeah. all know one another, you know. Um I, I miss even even simple things like um John, you know, Crowley that runs it. Yeah. Would we we do a gig, you know, we play for the liners and the excitement and the people would be singing with us and dancing and coming over and talking mm. and it, it just the oh just preparing for those gigs even, you know. A summer a Sunday afternoon. In the, oh, in, the in the park down by the water, mm-hmm. yeah. and the band are playing. Like that's yes. that's a little bit of heaven. That is, it is. God, it is. You know, and and I miss it so much. Yeah, it's like even even practicing when you get new pieces, and we're all learning together, and you know, and and everybody who's in the band loves the band. You know, yeah. we're all mad about the band. How are you keeping in touch? WhatsApp? Are you doing anything online? Can you do anything well, Zoom? Well, I tell you now. Um, co- well, yeah. Well, Cove band are very good because John has kept in touch with everybody. Um, he rings every second week. He sends us on new music that we're learning at home ourselves. So that should be fun when we all get together because you never play it properly when you're on your own, you know. But um, yeah, and then the Zoom. No, we haven't done that, but. I, I don't know, have you heard of Flute Cafe up in the School of Music? No, tell me more. Um, well, I joined them um, on the second lockdown and um, they do a Zoom every Monday night. So, of course, I had to get my son-in-law down to set all that up for me because I hadn't a clue. But but we do that. So it's 12 flute players. Right. And um, they're just sending a lovely piece off now for something that's going on in Europe, so... Oh, let me um, hear that when it's done, will you? Give me a copy of that when it's done. I will, I'll send it on to Do you, Do it, we'll yeah. give that a spin, because I'm, I'm really interested in stuff, and again, going forward, stuff that people are doing online, collaborating yeah. with each other. I really want to hear more of that. So yeah. send that on to me, will you, Geraldine? I will, I will, because um, the, the girl that runs that now, Katrina Armitage, um started that and we've one piece finished and that's up actually it's on Brilliant. YouTube uh, The King of the Fairies Oh yeah the old horse lips tune Yeah it's lovely and oh. she put in beautiful scenery and Fabulous. you know Alright we'll, fi- um, we'll try and find that kind of stuff and we'll, we'll have some fun because I would like people who are doing collaborative stuff like that online uh, to send it in to me just we give someone 20-30 seconds worth uh, in, yeah. in the show just let them hear what Jerry I'm going to leave a go there for no reason other than time but a great bunch of people the Cove Confraternity Band you could meet them anywhere in Cove in normal times that's what Geraldine misses her bandmates Jesus PJ I'd rather a good book with a happy ending rather than the four poster bed says Sheila what if the happy ending came in the four poster stop the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Corks 96 FM. It's an absolutely gorgeous morning out there now. Beautiful sunny morning. Friday the 79th of February. Our 
January rather Friday the 79th of January that's how it's felt it has felt like January's had about 10 weeks and about 80 days but it comes to an end on Sunday and then 1st of February is Monday so when we're back here it'll be next month and it'll be the 1st of February and no Eugene no Eugene and a thousand times no Eugene it is not the first day of spring it will not be the first day of spring until the first of March. We'll have that argument. Science will win again. St. Bridget has you battered into thinking it is the first of February. It's not. But anyway, that's Monday. We still to come this morning. We have a, a woman who's trying to find the person that her granddad rescued from the River Lee. Now, it was a long time ago, and she only really found out about it lately when she found an old certificate awarded to her granddad way, way back. And she's trying to find who the man was, young man was, that her granddad saved from drowning. She'd like to know what happened to him, what became of him. That's all coming before 12. And also Netflix, if you're looking for something to watch over the weekend, I was going through my to-watch list because I'm... Some of my favourite series have finished with them and I'm looking for new stuff. Started on Unforgotten the other night. That's really good. There's three series of that. Uh, also, N- Night Stalker is a massive hit on Netflix. Uh, not a huge fan of the old true crime thing myself, but I know I'm in a minority. Night Stalker is big. Very, very big. But very, very graphic as well. I will get to that during the morning. 185715. 996 the number, the text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696 and the email opinion at 96fm.ie If you missed anything from our first hour remember our podcast goes up in the afternoon take the news out, take the ads out take everything else out, just the talk show that goes up mid-afternoon every afternoon Uh, it goes up first on Twitter where we tweet the link once it's ready and then it goes to all your various platforms including the Cork's 96FM app and you can listen back to the show in full. 1850 <laughs> On the subject of sex and recreating famous sex scenes, Shanti said it reminds me, the discussion reminds me of that great scene from The Snapper. Oh, yeah. Suppose a ride is out of the question. <laughs> Hang on till I get this line done. And the next bit is, oh, great, I'll go and wash my teeth. That's how real people do it. Continuing to look as well for stuff that you miss, stuff that you really miss. Uh, Paula, hi, Paula, listening to us in Tenerife, where she now lives, uh, missing a time when people weren't so judgmental and nasty. Yeah, there's a bit of that out there. There sure is. 1850-715-9962. Lovely Inchidani. Oh, my God, how lovely it would be to go to Inchidani to look at the beautiful beach the magnificent terrain and those wonderful wonderful sand dunes as a little boy I used to love jumping and running up and down those sand dunes but they are under threat so they are and there's a committee has been set up down there to try to prevent or to mitigate the threat or find some way to draw awareness to the threat against those wonderful sand dunes. Dina O'Donovan is the co-chair of that committee. Dina, good morning. 
Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. It's a long time since I've been to Injidani for more than one reason, one of them definitely being being locked down. But lockdown. what's happening to the dunes? Well, I suppose uh, I've been living there for 60 years, but uh, all my life, the dunes sort of come and go with the seasons. We'd have a heavy storm in the past and you'd see a bit of um, disappearing dune and you'd get worried. And then suddenly the dunes would come back again, maybe in the next four or five months, you'd see grass growing down onto the beach again. But what's been happening in the past, let's say, five years is that when the dunes have been eroded, they don't seem to be coming back. And in my in my last five or six years of walking my dogs around the dunes every morning, they're just disappearing, 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 and they don't seem to be coming back in the natural way that they have done in the past. So we just felt we need to do something about it. Do you think that's down to, and we certainly seem to have had more and more winter storms that come into us across and from the southwest is that causing it? Well, we're going to find all that out with when we have our little group um, gathered. We're, we're in the middle of gathering some uh, ecologists and local people, people of a local interest and people who are involved in marine research. And we're just gathering all the people together now and we're going to try and find all that out. But personally, I think there is definitely some form of global warming, rising tides, more storms, more severe storms. And the sand dunes, by their nature, the embryonic dunes at the edge, which are formed by uh, wind-blown sand accumulating, they're not reappearing in between the storms as they did in the past. And that's the worry. Yeah, yeah, because even as a simple thing, like being a small boy in, in short pants, jumping up and down those dunes, like that's, that's a simple pleasure that you'd hate to lose. But there's much more to a sand dune. It's a whole ecological habitat as well. Oh, it's a whole area of biodiversity. I mean, our little group, we're going, while it's called the Intidani Dunes Conservation Project, we also want to encompass the biodiversity or the protection of the biodiversity within that project. Um, there are people who say maybe we should stop everyone using the dunes because people do trample into new pathways and all that and there's more sand exposed. But what we'd like to do is gather all the people with us and make sure all the different groups that use the dunes, the running groups, the, the, the football, soccer, training groups, um, we'd like to bring them with us and let them all see how we can gather together and create certain pathways within the dunes and then create areas where nobody will trample and let those areas regenerate and maybe get the schools involved and mm. have, um, you know, species spotting days. And, uh, you know, there's a lot we can do with the dune area instead of just leaving it to the elements and watch it die, really. Very hard to do anything, of course, in, in these times. So how do you plan to get your group together? Well, we've already formed our core group and we're now reaching out to us various other groups who might be able to help us. We're also in um, in contact with groups from other coastal areas around the country, like the Maharese or Bannerstrand, places that they've done something with their dunes like we're about to approach. So we can get some information from what they've done or what mistakes they made or what good decisions they've made, and we can work with them as well. So they're all very helpful to us at this time. So we're just going to gather. We're at the point of gathering information now 
and getting little subgroups together about, um, you know, a group looking after the ecology and doing management, another group about awareness, communication and education, another one about the actual goals of the project. So we're, we're, we're in the process of sorting ourselves out and okay. we're, we're heading in the right direction anyway. And there's a well, lot well, of... Well, as soon as you've got anything organised formally, let us know and we'll certainly tell everyone about it. That, that'll be fabulous. And we'll keep you informed as we move along of all our our project brilliant days. Okay. <laughs> all right. Dina, take care and look after yourselves down there. 1850-715-996. The beautiful dunes of Inchidani. Look, whatever is happening to our weather the last few years, those storms, those high tides, those massive waves, they're doing damage to the dunes. And she's right, of course. Dunes, by their very nature, Mother Nature will always repair her own dunes, her own, you know, Mother, mother Nature will provide something's getting ahead of Mother Nature at the moment and they want to investigate it and want to try and stop it which will help them publicise their events or their get-togethers in any any way we can 1850-715-996 on stuff that people are missing Helen says I'm missing the ocean and the fresh air we all need it oh, no, that's, that's Alano sorry and then Helen it says Cork I'm missing Cork missing my family school and karaoke. Yeah, there's a bit to be said for it. A bit to be said for that. Give my best to Dad, won't you, Helen? I haven't seen him for a very long time, but give my best to him. Mark says, nothing really. It's grand. I have my health, for which I'm grateful daily. Wouldn't mind a tattoo, but that's just about it. (laughs) Anything else that you're missing, that you'd love to do, Look at that now. Just look out at that gorgeous morning. A lasher of a morning. Yeah, it's cold. But it's a lasher of a morning in Cork. If you woke up tomorrow morning, Saturday, nothing to do, and it's a lasher of a morning like that, what would you like to do with the day? What do you miss about doing with the day that you can't do because it's it's locked down? With a lasher of a day like that. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 969696. On Cork's 96FM. Michelle says what I'm missing most, PJ, is crocheting for the neonatal ward because they can't take it at the moment. That's 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 nice, Michelle. That's that's nice that you do that. I mean, uh, it's terrible that you miss it. On the subject of what we started talking about this morning, where Neffet seem to be going with regard to zero COVID, they seem to be dismissing it and trying to talk it down and trying to tell those who talk it up that they don't know what they're talking about. And I think Anthony Staines, Professor Anthony Staines, had a lot to say about that. But Eva McLeisett, who is a scientist uh, who I follow on Twitter, she comes up with, this is very good, actually. This is a good tweet. She says, the government line that we shouldn't try to get to zero COVID because it can't be guaranteed that it'll never be another lockdown is like a doctor deciding not to give chemotherapy because they won't guarantee or they can't guarantee the cancer won't come back. That's a very good tweet. Very good tweet. 
1850 Nearly half of childcare workers are actively seeking another job because of low pay in the sector. This is according to SIPTU, the trade union representing many workers in that sector. I'm reading here from the Irish Times. The union said its annual survey of early years professionals found that 90%, 90% of workers in the childcare sector were struggling to make end ends meet. Uh, 1850-715-996. Uh, Timmy Crotty Quinn and Tim, good morning to you. Hi, it's Tim's. Tim's, I beg your pardon. <laughs> How are you? I thought that, I thought that was a misprint, mea culpa. <laughs> um, it's a, st- a shocking finding. It is. It is. And you know what? It's, it's not new to us workers. We're living this day in, day out. What is the average wage in the sector? Is it minimum wage or just barely above? Well, um, 76%, well, these are the results of the survey, but 76% of educators and 44% of room leaders are living below the living wage, which is 12, 13 hour. Right. That's huge. That's a huge amount of people. You know, people can't like, they're like, we have like a, where we're hemorrhaging staff. We're hemorrhaging staff. And like 96 or 93% don't see themselves in the sector in the next five years. 93%. Yeah. You know, because they can't survive. They can't stay in the sector. And, you know, it takes a certain kind of person to work in the sector. I adore my job. I adore the children I work with. Mm. And we have a great, like, um, camaraderie with the parents that you will know, come into our service. Um, and I am one of the fortunate ones that have a decent employer you know, she pays us fair wages. Mm. She pays us full pay for holidays. But I represent thousands of earlier educators that, like, don't have that. Mm. You I know? Paid holidays, not a thing in the sector, no? No, every summer, we're all laid off for the summer, okay? Now, I do have to sign on every summer. Right. Like, I have two degrees. We're professionals. You know, we're highly qualified professionals. Mm. Um, we don't have sick pay um, like 77% of people found they found that 77% of people didn't have sick pay 91% had no pension plan 10% unreceived maternity leave from their employers like these are like this is ridiculous I'm, like it's devastating 10% and when you consider the number of women who work in the sector 98% of women working in the sector no maternity arrangement other than the state just the state yeah, 10% unreceived maternity leave. I'm looking at that living wage, the mm-hmm. estimated living wage, 12 30 an hour. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no disrespect to, to anybody who does work in, in a supermarket. In fact, they've kept us going for the last no, 100%. year. But there are elements of supermarket work where you would earn that and more. Yeah, yeah. And that's the reality. I mean, the low pay, the conditions, lack of security... You know, because um, the funding is temporary, um, people can't afford to plan for the future. You know, and um, they can't like handle unexpected expenses like their tire blowing. You know, they can't like we're undesirable for mortgages and car loans because we get laid off every summer. Like this is a reality. You know, um, we're sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of sitting down and talking to my senators, to my TDs. I'm sick of it. What do they because, say when you bring it to their attention? Oh, sure, we know. 
we know, we understand, yeah, yeah. I spoke to Micheál Martin the day before he went in for the plan of government to be announced. I mean, he rang me on the phone. I mean, I met him with the Big Star campaign with Sip2. Um, we sat down, yeah, I understand. It's a problem from years ago, the way that it was set up. You know, it all needs to be refrigerated. But the reality is, it's all talk. You made all the right noises. All the right noises. We are the ones, the early years workers, the early years educators and professionals that have to live with this reality of their inaction every single day. I'm so cross. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. And remember as well, like that putting a child into your care mm. isn't cheap. So no, the money not. isn't being spent on wages. No, it's not. Um, like the problem is there's no regulation. Like, like we, like you can't guarantee that the employers are all as decent as my employer. Yeah. You know, like that's the reality. There's no regulation. We need to establish a pay scale. You know, we need to have sick pay. You know, like I mean, they're constantly saying upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. Go into our upskill. Go into college. Get your degrees. I work with people who have masters in this area. You know, what degrees do you have, Tim's? Um, I have one from UCC in uh, geography and sociology, and then I have one from the London Metropolitan University in early years education. Okay, if you took those mm-hmm. into the public sector, if you took those degrees into the public sector, you'd be mm-hmm. on a guaranteed pay scale. You'd know what you're being paid for the first five years, for the next five years. Mm-hmm. You'd have your increments. You'd have your public sector-based holidays, which are very generous. But you're out in the private sector at the whim of whatever your appointment, your employer chooses to give you. Yeah. Yeah. And we need the government to come up with a workable plan for us. You know, and, and I guess like they give funding. A lot of people you know. say, oh, well, it's a private business and the government can't be seen well, to Well, hang on a few seconds, business. because private ECC um, business is funded by the government. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the government pays them to provide service. Yeah. They're at the beck and call of the government. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 a very stark finding, though, from that survey. And uh, we've been discussing this sector on the show for yeah, long, many a long day. And we'll, <laughs> yeah. and we'll continue to do so because mm-hmm. I think the big sound or the noise coming from you is, listen, we're part of the education system, yet we're treated totally different. 100%. All right, leave it there for today, Tim's. And we'll pick up on it uh, down the line, I've no doubt. But to Tim's Crotty Quinlan, uh, that's some stark figure. Nearly half of childcare workers currently seeking another job due to pay. 90% of workers struggling to make ends meet. Not good enough, is it? 1850-715-996. Right, your hair is a shambles. An absolute shambles. Can you do anything with it? Because if you can't see a hairdresser until March or April, what? You have to eat it to tidy it up. What can we do about colour? What can we do about length? What can we do about curls? Can we do anything to stop ourselves going mad, pulling at the hair on our head? Next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show, The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96 FM. Talking earlier to Erin, um, she misses having her hair done desperately. She says it's just a mess at this stage. She hasn't seen a hairdresser since last October, but she's 50 shades of grey, but she said if she went to do a job on it with dye, her hairdresser would kill her because of the damage she would do. But in all seriousness, like, if we're going to be left, and I'm, look, all I need is a cut, but if we're going to be left without hairdressers until probably after Patrick's Day, and I think you can sing that, it'll be Easter before the hairdressers are open at the least, I think. What are we going to do? What are people going to do? <laughs> Joe Byrne, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. I have to put my heart in my mouth now, PJ. Easter, do you think so? But that's always. Well, the 5th of March is when they take us to the next step. Yeah. Um, Could be after Paddy's Day, I suppose, at the earliest. So let's say Paddy's Day. Let's say Paddy's Day. Oh, my nerves. My nerves. Terrible. That could be a whole year now, Rashford. After the 13th of March of my birthday, and now it's coming up again. Anyway, PJ, yeah, the hair. The hair is a big thing at the moment. But my advice to everybody is to do nothing, leave it. You know, what can you do? The only thing you can really do is use product to keep it down if it's a bit. Mad or um, put a little bit of um, touch spray on the roots to keep the roots calm. But please, please, please don't put colour in it and don't cut it. We had such disasters when we came back the last time and cost so much money. Really? Oh, PG wouldn't believe what came in. People actually jet black. You see, when they look at a first of all, these box colours in, in supermarkets are things are totally different to what we would use. Right. We use the professional, the, the professional colours. 
And if you see like a dark brown, you look at the box, oh my God, that brown, that's perfect now for my hair. That brown will come out jet black, but they don't realise that, you know. And why is yeah, that? Because they don't know how to mix it properly or what? They don't know how to mix it properly, first of all, but secondly, it never is what's on the cover. It never, you know, mm. um, if it says dark brown and thing, it doesn't come out, you always go two shades lighter, even in our train, and if we look at a chart and it says dark brown, you go back to light brown to get the dark brown, if you know what I mean. It's a bit like a you paint. It's a bit, bit the, paint, the paint on the wall never quite looks like it did on the card. Never quite. And you see, also, PJ, you do the roots first. Mm. When you come in to us, we do the roots first, leave that on for 20 minutes, then we comb it, conditioner, seal on to the ends. There's a lot of work to it. You just don't plop it on the head, you know? You must have been you must have been close to tears when you saw some of the heads that came into you last year. I was actually... And you know what was very hard is that the fact you have to charge them that bit extra because you can't have people in as much now, right? Mm. And you're given another extra hour and a half even before you can start them to the way you would have before. You have to strip the collar. You have to do um, a lot of prep work before you'd even do what you'd have done before. because So you literally have to undo everything they've done? Undo, yeah. Undo it all. You'd have to strip it. You might have to bleach down. You'd have to... To cleanse it, you'd have an awful lot of work with an awful lot of product, PJ, and a lot of time, but it really isn't worth it. I cut the sides of my hair now yesterday, and God help us, I'm like, so shaved at both sides and nothing, and then be head of fluff on the top and the back, and my hair does it. You said don't cut it. Don't cut it, no, there's no need. Just kind of put a bit of serum or something on it for the squish ends. That will kind of keep it calm down. Um, Small anything oil based would be very good if you have curly hair. Just leave it, put a bit of conditioner, leave it in it, leave it on the head. You know, like, serum is excellent. I know, I notice women, women's hair that you do, but like if you take my case here now, right? I haven't had a haircut since the second week of December. Now, I, I usually have a haircut maybe once every two weeks, sometimes in the summer, it could be every week, keep it short. But at the moment, I, the, my hair has gone back to its normal shape, which is like a burst cushion. There's this oh, yeah. thing at the side that grows in its own direction of its own accord. I have no control over it whatsoever. Like, it's, it's awful. What can I do about nothing, that? Nothing you can do about it. If, you know, not unless a bit of gel or something works and you can calm it down. Or what if I just shave it all off? That's what I want to do. But, but, but PJ, I have a different concern. Mm. And it's about, again, that women are, what about the Botox? What about it, Joe? Starting to what drip, about is it? the ones you know, but the people that are getting Botox now it's actually you know what I mean, if the husband they've said, Oh my husband never saw me great, but they never saw them without Botox either. And the face now is beginning to disappear, the lines are coming back, the face is flopping. I know you have the mask to cover an awful lot of it, but you're still going home and taking off the mask. At least I got mine done before lockdown, you know what I mean? So it'll keep me going to starting, starting to droop a bit like Actually, I'm fine now, but if, if you if you got it done now, just before lockdown, you'd be grand. But the people that didn't, and they were saying, I should get that done now, another week or two, and now they haven't got it done. So God bless us, stupid masking, and they do so much, um, PJ, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> if someone's on the phone, Joe. I, d- I dyed my hair, and it didn't turn out right. I tried it again, and it was fab, even better than my hairdresser. I'm hoping I can do that again. That must have been luck, I'd say. That would probably look, yeah, that was probably the universe giving us some bit of um, um, look because it, 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 nine times out of ten, it doesn't work out, you know what I mean? Now, it's easy to lighten hair if your hair is light, but if you dark on your hair, you want light and you go too dark, it's very, very difficult to lighten it back up again. Yeah, yeah. 
It is very bad. I've had people ring me on the phone crying, you know, they'd mixed ash with blonde and Mother God, they've turned out green, you know, things like that. Because <laughs> they what thought them, they were going to go for ash blonde, so they got yeah. a bottle of ash and a bottle of blonde and they end up, oh my exactly. God. <laughs> yeah. Because they These forget the um, green, oh Jesus. And Peter, every text I get now, what am I going to do with my hair? So will I be down for the first week? Will you have me down for the first day? You know what I mean? When are you opening? I'm sure some people think, I know when we're opening, you know what I mean? Mm. It's the big thing when we went back to the last time. But, but you know, PJ, it's very, very sad. It's such a ah, different challenge to what our doctors I've had two customers. Now, PJ, I, I must say, I woke up this morning very, very sad. A wonderful customer for years, Loretta, and she passed away three weeks ago. Ah. Lovely, lovely lady. And what happened last night? Her husband passed away. Ah, Joe. Jimmy. And they were the salt of the earth the two nicest people you could meet. And my heart this morning, PJ, is just broke. Was it COVID? No, it wasn't actually. It was, it was different altogether. Okay. But it was just, they were, so, they were such a beautiful couple together and they died so close to each other. And but you'd go to those it, funerals, wouldn't you, my friend? Oh, yeah, yeah. I will be actually outside the church now and there, you know what I mean? But... DJ, it's it's hard to explain. It's it's just such a sadness in the salon at the moment, even when we are open. The older ones are fighting. Some are still not coming in, you know what I mean? The banter is totally gone. That's you amazing. know, they're, they're doing, Joe, what are we going to do? Will we ever be back to normal again? Do you know who's gone? And all now, especially this time, I don't know why, but there's somebody gone from every... Everybody knows somebody now. The last oh, time it's coming nobody. way too close this time. Yeah. And way, way too close. I'm PJ, trying to be possible. That this morning, that news just broke me, you know what I mean? I know. And PJ, I, you know, and, and another, another change of subject, my brother has been diagnosed with cancer, very, very ill. I couldn't go to the hospital to see him, right? And he transferred from Tipperary to the Mercy, and he came out by ambulance. And I went to the ambulance where the ambulance dropped him off. And I met him there, and all I was able to do was rub his leg. And BJ, he started crying, and I started crying, but it was the only contact I could have with him, you know? I know, Joe. And it was just like I got into cans. Oh, my God, you know, I was heartbroken. It, it just, Is this where uh, we are, like? I know I'm cheating. Uh, I know I'm on a boat. Or no, no, you're okay. No, no, Joe, Joe, no, no, no. Because I think, I think you, I've, you've, hit some, you've hit upon something, and, you know, light and all as we make this, and we can have the laugh, but there were moments where we, we get sad... And, and that's allowed. Yeah, and you know, Peter, it's okay not to be okay. I'm saying that. You know, the same brothers, and he's in Clamell Hospital, and the wife isn't left into him. And he was waving his jumper out the window, and that's all she could see was his jumper from upstairs, or whatever garment he had. And she got back in the car, and she was crying her eyes out, because that's the only contact she had with him, was seeing his jumper. She couldn't see his face. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and the prognosis isn't good now, Peter. He's a very, very ill mm-hmm. man. And we talk a couple of times on the phone, but just just heartbreaking that you can't go near him, that you can't hug him. And the same with this couple now that passed away. He passed away last night and his own, you know, the family wasn't able to be with him. It's just, you know, and my sympathies goes out to them because they're such a wonderful, wonderful family. And and she was such a lovely lady. She was like a lady now, because she was going up to Dublin, she'd bring it down a big load of tinfoil for, for for, you know, she's going to the market up in Dublin. Yeah. And she, I'd say to, to Larissa, Larissa's got that tinfoil you bought down the last time it was fabulous. She'd bring it down a big, big roll of tinfoil that lasts you for the year. She'd yeah. give you her last, you know, and the same with the husband. Uh-huh. Simple, simple so kindness. Sad. Simple kindness, unbelievable. PJ, yeah, unbelievable. And I miss all that in the salon. I miss the girls coming in with their stories and, you know, getting the roots done, getting the crack, having the cup of coffee, the banter. There's no 
it's all gone. Even with the mask, you can't you can't talk to the person properly. You can't see their expression. You know what I mean? It's it's such a different world. Yeah, we'll be talking next week, Joe. Um, we're, we're planning a few things around and about it. You know, for those of us who are are normally well and positive and and can just get on with things, not people who struggle. They, they, they have their own problems, but people like you and me, who are normally well and get on with things and take a positive outlet, this is getting very, very hard. It is, sir. Do you know, you get up in the morning and it's the same thing. There is, you know, you, you, all you're hearing is about dates and then it's getting very, very close. You have it now in, in your family, you have it in the friends, you know what I mean? Because, you know, I consider all my customers friends. You, you, you hear it the whole time and just there's nothing to do. You're looking, it's the same day, it's Groundhog Day. And it can, you, as much as you look at the sky and say, oh, thank you, universe, this is beautiful, it's very hard. It is. We'll talk more about it's it next week and we're going to open the lines to people. Sorry for bringing down Joe, the mood because, hey, uh, hey, stop. Joe, 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 don't apologise, mate. i tell you why you don't apologise. Because you're talking like hundreds and hundreds of other people. This, the conversation can go anywhere. That's what this programme is about. Yeah, and my, my thoughts yeah. are with you and your brother. And with Thank the people you that much. you've lost from his Thank Alan. you very much. You take care of yourself, Joe. Okay, PJ. Thank Mind you yourself. very much. That's great. Joseph Bourne from Glasheen. Yeah, it's it's getting hard. And we want to think about that next week. And we want to talk about it and open the lines to you. And, and, and tell me how hard it is and, and why it's hard. And I'll tell you why I'm finding it hard. And I am finding this one hard. And Terry is finding this one hard. And Fergal, who's the toughest of us all, he's as tough as old boots. But I think Fergal is finding this one hard too. This is the toughest of them all. Um, like at the moment, and I won't mention any names or do any identification, there is someone that I have known for a very, very long time. And uh, as a colleague, as a workmate, as a friend, for a very, very, very long time, is fighting for his life. That's all I'll say, fighting for his life. And, and I'm deeply upset about it. Um, and and that's it's 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 hard. I work in a hospital, says this caller. Lots of us have been struck down with a very bad strain of COVID. It seems different to before. I'd like PJ to highlight that us frontliners are suffering, and it's not like the first wave. We might not be dying, but we are very very sick. Just when you think you're recovering, something new happens. When your chest gets better, your muscles get weak, and that goes away, and you're back to the cough. The fatigue is so bad and I get so uncomfortable and no matter what way I sit or lie down, I can't rest. I'm so angry with people who minimise or deny this. You do not have to be old or vulnerable to have a really awful time with this COVID-19. That's, we will talk about it next week. If we want this place to become your confessional next week, tell me why you find it so hard. What is the hardest thing? We talked about it this morning, the little things that you miss, the little simple, simple things that you miss and the list of stuff coming in. I miss hugs, says Cara. Miss all my family who live in Kerry. Miss being able to go to the hospital and support my dad through his chemo. I'm a single mother too. It's just me and my son. It's tough. I miss work because I'm a teacher. I miss the gym. And then another caller says, not everything's locked down. Sunlight. Fresh air, family ties, friendship, creativity, prayer, faith. Most hobbies are not locked down. Most of all, hope and kindness is not locked down. Conversation, imagination, learning, they're not locked down. Stay at home, 
Make the most of time. May you be safe. Those words lifted me when I was tired and upset the other day, and I think they're very true. I really miss working, says another caller. I really miss working on vintage cars. I have a 1972 Beetle. I love driving it. I love working on it. I love talking to other enthusiasts and seeing people's faces when they see it. It brings a smile. All the people who are telling us stay at home, you included, this is for me, are not working from home on TV every night, including the Late Late Show. Do they know there's a thing called Zoom calling? I don't quite get that, but I take it that you mean those of us who can still get out a little bit, you know, don't be telling people that it's so easy to stay at home. Well, I can identify with that. You know, the things, that, the things you go through teach you a little bit. And I spent a month at home from Christmas Eve when I left here after the last show of the year until I came back last Monday. Um, and being at home for that month, even though I could work and, and broadcast from home, being at home all that time was hard. Was very hard. And I remember the first time I talked about or did a story about or covered, I think I covered a press briefing on radon gas and how deadly radon gas is and how it can be lurking in the bowels of your house and you know nothing about it. A little bit scary. There was another programme on television uh, this week, Eco Eye on RTE, also looked at radon gas and the risk to our health and just how much of it is out there. Stephanie Long is manager with Radon and Citizen Science at the Environmental Protection Agency. Stephanie, good morning. Good morning. This isn't yesterday or today's problem. It must be 10 or 15 years since I first talked to someone about being worried about radon gas. That's right. Yes, we've been working on radon gas since the the 1990s, actually, when um, it was first identified as a problem in Irish homes in the late 1980s. And uh, we, we... um, did a survey to map the country in the 1990s to see where there was a problem and how bad a problem it was. And I suppose what we found was that it's um, very much related to geology. So the parts of the country affected are the west, the southeast, and but parts of every county are affected. Um, if your listeners would like to have a look on our website, radon.ie, there's a map there mm. and you can put your address into it and you'll see whether or not your home is in a high-risk area. And when Let's- you look at Cork... Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say about Cork that you can see that there's a lot of high areas in, in North Cork um, and also around Cork City and Cove and then there are patches across the county. But I mean, our advice is that you should test. Even if you're in a low risk area, it doesn't mean that you won't have a radon problem. It's just less likely. So our advice always is to test your home. It's let's, easy and to do. Let's come back to, to basic sure. chemistry. Sure. Uh, yeah. When I was doing chemistry in, in Cologne de Cristri a while ago, there was a list on the right hand or left hand side, I can't remember which, of the periodic yeah. table of the elements yeah. uh, the, called the inert gases. And we were told yeah. that these do nothing. They react That's with nothing. Right. They're, That's right. Radon's yeah. one of them. So why are That's we worried right. about something that we were told is chemically oh, inert? Very good question. Very good question. You're right. Radon's an inert gas. It means it has no colour, taste and smell. And actually, very little of the dose comes directly from radon. Radon has what's a bit called a very short what's called half-life, which means that it decays to other radionuclides such as lead and bismuth. And those are also radioactive elements. And they, what they do is, as the radon in the air decays, creates these tiny radioactive particles which attach to little pieces of maybe dust 
Um, and so, so we have these tiny little radioactive um, particles in the air. We breathe those in and um, they can lodge in the lung. And that's where the problem is, that they lodge in the lung and they're giving off a radiation dose and that can cause damage to the cells in our lung. So, so while radon at- itself is relatively harmless, yeah, its we, we presence get- causes a problem. It's right, yeah. They're called the, the radon daughters. Um, so so uh, we, we rarely get into this because it gets, it gets a little bit complicated. But in fact, we get about 2% of the dose from radon comes from the gas itself because, as you pointed out, it's inert. Um, it, it's the daughters, so what it decays to. They're what... Um, they're what are, 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 we're breathing in and are causing the radiation dose to our lungs, yeah. So, so how can you know whether you have an, a radon problem, point number one, and point number two, can you do anything about it? Absolutely, yeah. It, it's really easy to test. Um, the, there are small detectors called passive radon detectors, and um, that's, that's the way to test your home. There are, um, basically, uh, you, you buy a kit, and there are a number of companies that sell these kits listed on our website. And the kit is, is posted to you. It's a small kit. There are two small detectors in it, about the size of the palm of your hand. And what you do is you place one in your living area and one in your main bedroom. And you just leave them there for three months. The reason you need to leave them there for three months is because radon levels go up and down a lot. They fluctuate hugely. Hmm. And um, so you need to get a good average um, level in your house. How come they fluctuate so much? Oh, gosh. Um, It depends a lot on the weather. So, for example, if if it's a big difference between inside and outside, so, for example, when it's really warm inside and cold outside in the winter, what happens is the warm air rises, that reduces the pressure in the house, and that pulls radon gas up from under the building. So all of the, ga- the gas that we're exposed to, it's coming from rocks and soil and outside it's not a problem at all. It's when it comes into our buildings, our homes and our workplaces that it can build up to quite high levels. Um, and I think this, modern this, houses are built with a screen these days, aren't they, Stephanie? That, that's right. Um, so since 1998, the building regulations have required that all homes built in high radon areas, so again, you'll see them on our map, um, and they're the dark brown and light brown areas on our map, that they should have what's called a radon membrane in place. And that's a, 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 a membrane that goes over the footprint of the house. And it will, in an ideal world, that would stop radon gas coming into the house. Um, however, it's really difficult to install a radon membrane without any gaps, because obviously all of the service pipes and so on have to go through that membrane. So sealing around those can be really difficult. There's often little openings in that membrane. So ideally, if you have a radon membrane, it should certainly reduce your radon levels, but it's not unfortunately a guarantee that you won't have a radon problem. And yes. um, the, the best way is, is, as I mentioned, to order one of those kits and, um, and, and test your home. If you're buying a house and it's an older house, how do you mm-hmm. know? You obviously, can you, you can check the region on, on, on your yeah, website. Yeah, that's, that's the, the checking on the map is, 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 is a good way to know if the area generally has um, a radon problem. Um, there, is, there, are, there are voluntary questions um, if you're buying a second-hand house. So the um, solicitor for the person selling the house will ask the owner of the house if they've tested for radon and if they have, do they have the results? And if they were high, have they done anything to reduce levels? So if you're buying a house, you should make sure your solicitor asks the seller is a solicitor those questions. Now, at the moment, those are voluntary. We'd love to see them as um, a requirement yeah. that you, you, you measure radon and you provide the results before you test your home. At the moment, it's voluntary. So you should certainly 
ask the question if you are buying a house. And if you're concerned about it and you're buying a house, we'd always say, don't, you know, if it's the right house for you, don't let that stop you. Um, It's relatively easy to reduce rate on levels where they're moderate. And it's often just a matter of improving ventilation in the home. And that can reduce rate on by up to about half. The the, the gold standard for reducing rate on levels is by installing what's called a rate on sump. And a rate on sump is an opening into underneath the building and um, so there's, there's a void created under the building so uh, not very big about the size about the volume of a bucket of, of, of stones and, and soil are removed and then that void is vented to outside with piping and a fan is attached to it and what, what happens then is that the fan extracts the radon gas Okay. from the ground under the building and vent it to outside. Okay. That costs about a thousand euros That's, to install yeah. and there's a list of contractors on our website okay. that will do that for you. Can this thing kill you? I don't want to frighten anybody but lastly and briefly, how dangerous yeah. to the human health uh, is it? Yeah, I mean the, the, the problem as I mentioned earlier is that it results in a radiation dose to the lungs so it is, it, it, it can cause lung cancer over many years of exposure, I'm talking 10, 20 30 years. We know in Ireland that up to 300 cases of lung cancer every year are linked with radon. And, and unfortunately for smokers, um, the, the combined effect of tobacco smoke and radon on the lungs means that smokers are particularly at risk. So it's the second cause of lung cancer for people who don't smoke. So it's, it's, it's a very serious public health problem and that's why we're really encouraging people to, to test and, and, and to, to remediate if they find their levels are high. Okay. For more information, radon.ie is our website. great website. Radon, a very simple website, radon.ie. Listen, leave it there for today. Thank you very much. Stephanie Long, Manager of Radon and Citizen Science at the Environmental Protection Agency. Radon.ie for all the information you need. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. Yeah, talk about the hurlers or the footballers training on a beach uh, and technically in breach of, of lockdown rules. Cork Bio have uh, an article about some of the stuff that guards caught people doing in breach of, of COVID-19 rules and just there's some awful egotry like this fella travelled according to Cork Bio he travelled over 200 kilometres to Cork to collect a puppy that he was giving somebody as a gift I'm sorry not an essential journey, all right? Uh, there was, this was uh, guards from Ballancolig who were on Operation Fonacht checkpoint on the M8. Uh, another fella, he'd sold something on social media and he was driving to deliver it to the buyer 70 kilometers away. So I'll put it in the post, like. 70 kilometers away he was driving. Well, this is the best one, I think. And there was a, a fella that they picked up who was going on an essential journey. And he explained himself to the guards. And he said, look, I have to be there. I have to do it. The guards said, that's fine. That's grand. And yourself, sir, there in the pasture, where, why, why are you here? And I'm only going along for the spin. Not allowed. Find of a hundred quid. Honest to God, you can't make this stuff up. There was there was other stuff that they that they put up actually Cork Cork Bio have been putting a lot of these these stuff up there were some really really uh, silly ones Do you know there was the puppy one 
and and there was there was a, there was National Puppy Collection Day because there was a load of them. There was a, a gang stopped in Formoy who decided to go for a spin. <laughs> they were from County Mead. Then there was the fella. This is months ago. The fella who was stopped at a checkpoint in the city. He was a learner driver. He'd no fully qualified driver with him, or he'd no L plates, so he was already in, in the spot of bother. But they weren't supposed to be outside two kilometres at the time. And when asked why he was outside his two kilometres, go to walk me dog. Yeah. And then the guards turned a woman round at a checkpoint in Middleton. So they turned around and said she, said she was going to visit her elderly relative. And they didn't believe her. So they turned her around. Clever enough out of them, they found her <laughs> on a beach a little while afterwards. And their question was, Did, does your elderly relative actually live on the beach? Yeah. 1850-715-996. Stay at home, watch the telly. And watch Netflix. I've been catching up on loads of different things on Netflix. You know you have this to-watch list, or my list as they call it, on Netflix. I looked at my one and said, yes, I selected that about two years ago, never looked at it. Grand, happy out. But there's a show called Night Stalker, which is absolutely gripping viewers. Now, it's not my bag. I prefer my crime fictional. I'm currently moving on to series six of of Bosch on, on Amazon, and I'm so looking forward to it. But some people like their crime true, their true crime, and true crime is huge. And this one is called Night Stalker, The Hunt for a Serial Killer. And it's the story of a guy called Richard Ramirez. It dropped on Wednesday. Um, it's got massive reviews. People are stuck with it for hours and hours and hours. But it's fairly heavy going and fairly graphic stuff. Orla Condon, uh, from Extra.ie, entertainment journalist there. Orla, good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. Now, I know you're one of the people that likes your true crime, um, but this is heavy going, this one. Yeah, no, it definitely is. This is definitely, uh, like you said, they're just a, a little bit more graphic than maybe some viewers will be able to stomach. Um, but to, to your point, I think the reason uh, true crime is huge in Ireland, especially on Netflix, it always performs really well on Netflix. And I think it's it's the fact that knowing that there is a resolution to the crime, you know, you know that there's going to be an end to this story. Either the, per- the person has died or they're in prison or, you know, they've got their comeuppance. So there's a sense of reward, I guess, knowing that, you know, I'm listening to these terrible details but there is going to be justice here at the end hopefully um, and definitely Richard Ramirez got his justice. Um, he terrorised the people of California for over a year back in 1984 and he was just 24 years of age when he started this kind of spree of crimes around the LA area and then the wider uh, California area um, but the, the documentary sets it up really well. They kind of use it as a comparison to kind of what you think of the glamour and excitement of kind of the Hollywood area yeah. and the, the darkness that kind of lurks in other parts of the city. Yeah. Um, and Richard Ramirez was definitely one of those darker parts of the city. Yeah. How many episodes? There's only four episodes and they're about 45 to 50 minutes long. Ah. So it's, it's a very digestible length and I think that's 
performing very well for people at the minute who are probably watching a lot of TV and are probably growing sick of things quite quickly. So that's a good length of time, I think, to, to spend, especially on something like this. You don't want 10 or 12 episodes of the details of what this guy did because it's, it's pretty gruesome. That's always been my thing about Netflix documentaries, particularly True Crime One. Like four, 45 or 50 minute episodes, that's good. Some of these things like making a murder, I'm sorry, I couldn't understand why you had to do that many episodes. You could have done it in the same four hours. I mean, I could I could watch live coverage of the police digesting information about making a murder. I absolutely love that show. I just think it's so gripping. So I would I would go against you there, but mm. I definitely think for this, just with the details of the crime. I mean, he was he was the fear factor with this guy was you know he didn't seem to have any motives. He didn't seem to have any kind of target uh, victims. Mm. It was so random. I mean, his crimes ranged from rape to kidnapping to burglary to assault mm. to murder he was, a, he was a piece of work if ever there was one he, no, he was a dark 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 guy there's a, there's a mention of how he worships Satan and that whole aspect of his character as well and there's lots of interviews that were done with him after he was convicted I will say he was convicted of a massive list of crimes 13 murders 5 attempted murders 11 sexual assaults 14 burglaries and sentenced to death so I mean he definitely got his, his lengthy list of convictions but there's lots of interviews with him while he was in prison on death row and he's just there was no remorse from him there was no sense of kind of understanding of what he had done just a rotten to the core kind of character mm. um, but it's the way the documentary is packaged as, as a kind of viewing experience is very good if anyone is kind of more sensitive to kind of the details and the gory yeah. details of how this happened maybe this isn't for you there's enough true crime choice on Netflix to avoid something like this but if it is kind of a story that you're intrigued about I know his character appeared in shows like American Horror Story before and he's going to reappear in another true crime series coming in February called Crime Scene The Vanishing at Cecil Hotel so there's kind of a link between other shows so if you're interested mm. it's definitely a well packaged documentary series well, What is the attraction of of true crime Orla as opposed to you know fiction based on a true story stuff like I just mentioned it there in introduction Bosch yeah. which is a fantastic series based on based on some great books I prefer my crime to be fictional um, what is the fascination with true crime I think I think look it's just the darker aspect of it I think you know I think it's just this kind of the gory details and things like that. You kind of, you know, you look through your fingers and you're kind of, oh God, I can't listen to that. But there's something, I don't know what it is about the human condition or whatever that we're somewhat curious about mm. these kind of things. And I suppose it's always this kind of want to understand almost. Like you're watching Richard Ramirez and you're like, I almost would love to hear that he had some reason, you know, to try and wrap your yes. mind around it to this challenge of kind of digesting what another person could do. For me, true crime, uh, I don't like to watch the ones that are open-ended. I don't like to watch the ones where, you know, like say Richard Ramirez is still out there. You know, I just, I would find that very hard to, to stomach just the thought that, you know, he could strike again. And But this one, I mean, like, it's not a spoiler. It's it's true news. He's in the grave now. He died in 2013. There are no more people that are going to fall victim to this horrible man. I think there's just this weird curiosity about, you know, this period of time over a year in L.A. and California where, I mean, the very police investigating this guy slept with guns under their pillows because they were so scared of, of what he, where he would turn up and what he might do. You know, families of police officers moving out of the area because they felt that they were targets. You know, this is just, 
it's not part of everyday life and especially at the minute when we're just so cocooned I suppose any kind of story mm. like that that maybe will just distract us from the real life news at the minute it's is, tr- is tr- welcome truth, The truth is always madder than fiction anyway when Absolutely you, yeah, yeah, yeah. What other good ones are there in terms of true crime or that people that might take a look at? I mean, make, uh, Making a Murderer for me is definitely is definitely a winner. Um, I just love that show, and there's so much of a of a backlog there for you to enjoy if you want to kind of have a longer binge. Um, definitely, Crime Scene, the the, the uh, disappearance in Seth Hotel, which is coming out in February, is high on my list of things I would like to to watch over the next couple of weeks. Netflix has absolutely no shortage. I mean, if you just go into the crime section in, in your series on Netflix, you'll get plenty of great suggestions, and they're all ranked it be, there. It could actually be a whole streaming. A service of his own. Oh, abso- I mean, absolutely. They, I, they've really. I think it's making a murderer was the first one. It was just such a huge success, and it just got so many people talking. And since then, they just have not stopped cranking out true doc, true crime documentaries. Now, there's been a bit of a gap. 2020 was pretty light on on the series for obvious reasons. We'll forgive them for that. Uh, but this year, they seem to be kind of stocking the the calendar with as many as they can, just because they know they know they're going to do well. There's, yeah. they're, well especially they here in Ireland, they're home, very popular. At home, at home, with very little else to do but watch the telly. This is it. If it keeps us inside and obeying the rules, I'll happily spend 13 hours of my day watching this stuff. On a broader question with regard to Netflix, uh, Orla, I I read um, an eye-watering figure in, I think, Variety magazine about three or four weeks ago, that in 2020, they spent or began to spend $16 billion on new content. content. That's phenomenal. it's disgusting, isn't it, when you think of it? Because, I mean, we're, we're the reason. It's people like me, yobs like me, sat at home watching everything they tell me to watch. That's why. But I suppose the year that's in it, it's, it's, you can see why their spending would have gone up drastically. I mean, you can also see on the platform there's lots of shows that aired, you know, a couple of years ago, five or six years ago on kind of channels like yeah. BBC and Channel 4. They bought Four. them up and, yeah. Bought, yeah, I mean, I just finished Cheat and Back to Life, which were two BBC dramas over the last kind of three or four years, and they've just been bought by Netflix. I had heard about them years previous, but I wouldn't watch the BBC regularly, so I missed them. So there's lots of stuff like that that they're buying up mm. uh, because they just know they've got a, they've got a very attentive audience there the minute uh, and there's lots of good mix of things I find you were saying there you know my list of, of things to watch people can get a little bit bored when they cl- click onto Netflix because you're often getting presented with the same things and especially at the minute when you might be kicking in a little bit more regularly than you usually are it's great to see new things that maybe you missed the first time round or weren't available in Ireland before that you can now watch there's some great new movies as well arriving on the, on the platform sometimes Netflix can be a little bit slower than say Amazon Prime uh, to get the new film up, um, but they've really kind of pulled up their socks because I think they realise that you know the Amazon Primes and the Disney Pluses are getting better, and um, so they're they're more competitive now. So I think look, Netflix is always going to be top dog. I think if you ask anyone, especially in Ireland, you know what do you watch your TV on? It's going to be Netflix. Mm. Um, so there's there's lots there to choose from, and it's only expanded massively over the last kind of six, seven, eight months. Yeah, you mentioned stuff that was bought up. The the one I've just started it now, Unforgotten. Um, I, I saw I saw series one years ago, but but they've three series of it now. So I kind of am looking forward to that. And another one that's up there if you look for it, um, and it's an Irish one. And the one, you know, Ian Glenn is in it. Was Jack Taylor? Yes, that's brilliant. Yeah. 
That's there's lots of great brilliant. stuff. Yeah, there's really lots is. of great stuff that you just. I mean, you, do, you when we didn't have streaming services, we didn't have the time to be sitting down at nine o'clock every evening and watching five different channels and catching all the good dramas. You know, so you naturally miss things. So there's lots of, of stuff that you might have wanted to see the first time round or couldn't get mm. that you can now watch on Netflix. Uh, Line of Duty is another one they brought yes. that back yes. uh, on Netflix, which is the first. And is that up to date as well? The, the I think it's just the first season that's there, but they often, Line of Duty is one they kind of flirt with. It's one of those ones that they kind of take on and off the streamer every few months to kind of tease people. But the first season is definitely there. Uh, I pity the person that starts the first season and then wants to continue watching because everyone will because it's so gripping. Um, but there's lots of stuff like that. If, if maybe the Netflix stuff, their own uh, creative stuff, isn't hitting the mark for you, there's lots and lots of great uh, other productions from around the world, from the UK, from the US. Uh, there's a lot of great Spanish dramas on there as well if you're tempted to dip into kind of foreign language stuff. Mm. I mean, the choice is really endless. There's literally no reason to leave your doors. No, there's, 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 a, there's so another great one as well. Um, it's in Israel. It's, it's based and, and produced in, in Israel, Fauda. Haven't haven't came across it. No, it's heavy. It's it's one with the subtitles, and I hate subtitles. But this one yeah. will, will grip you. There's a there's a character in Foda, Doron, and and put him up against the toughest James Bond, rolled in with a couple <laughs> of the Avengers, and they'd run screaming from the room. This guy would frighten away Liam Neeson's character. Jesus, <laughs> he's brilliant. There's a recommendation oh, for he's you. Brilliant. He's brilliant. <laughs> Listen, leave it with you for today, Orla. Thanks very much. Some recommendations for Netflix. That's Orla Conlon, uh, or Condon rather, from Extra.ie. 1857159. Night Stalker, if it's your thing, watch it. I would heartily recommend if you want to watch some gritty, very gritty drama, be able to stick with it. Because the problem with subtitles is that you. You have to be able to focus on it. It's it's hard to watch. You have to watch it. But if you want good, gritty, brilliantly made drama, wonderful, wonderful characters, Fauda. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Always in the hope of finishing up the weekend with a little bit of fun. Uh, planning to uh, play out today with... We found it. We eventually did find it and uh, I've got it for you. Ship that put to the sea, dance mix. The name of the ship was a belly of tea. The that damn thing is in my head since we did it the other morning, and I went looking around, and I went, and I actually found it. So it's only two minutes long. So for a near worm that'll take you through the entire weekend, I plan to play out on it. You'll hate me because it won't it'll be stuck in your brain for the whole weekend but that's coming after a wee while 1850 <laughs> 1850-715-996 talking about what people miss at the weekend simple simple things um, like Sean for example hey mate well, how are you PJ how's it going alright what do you miss bud uh, happy Friday <laughs> yeah well, happy ish I suppose at least the weather's nice. But it, the, the weather being nice like this makes you really miss what you want to do, isn't it? Oh, God, yeah. Right. Me and I've got two friends that do it because I managed to talk them into making the financial commitment as well. 
we've got uh, kayaks and we'd go up from Inishkara Dam and we'd slow, nice, relaxed, peaceful. Sometimes we'd stop paddling and just go with the flow of the water, listen to the birds, enjoy the tranquility of just kayaking just down to the River Lee. We'd go from, uh, from Inishkara Dam all the way down to the Kingsley there at the Weir. Takes about three and a half, four hours. And it was just blissed. And even Pat, one of my friends, Pat Kelly from Douglas, he works in Cork. You know, even he was saying, he goes, this is great for mental health. You're away from everything. You're relaxed. You're doing something that you really love. Mm. Now, not So you'd go all the way from, say, Dripsy, all the way down to Blackrock Castle? Yeah, we've we've gone from, you know, the, the... Dam above uh, Inishkara yep. that's up by Dripsy. Now we didn't do it all in one day because because the length of the length of it. So we went from the further dam down to Inishkara Dam, the Inishkara Dam down to the Kingsley, from the Kingsley down the River Lee on the right hand side through UCC and through the city all the way out to Black Rock Castle. And it's like you know, obviously with my local accent. <laughs> I was just going to ask you what part of Ferranry you were from. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the dodgy side. <laughs> Come here, but how? How? Like, you, obviously, that's something. You're a delivery driver, so you're you're working. You're essential worker and all that. So Saturday morning, tomorrow morning, if it's like this, how will you deal with not being able to drop drop the kayak in the water? Well, um, well. Tomorrow just happens to be my daughter Annabelle's 12th birthday, so I wouldn't be going, and I'd be going on the Sunday instead because I've got to spend time with the family. But what would you, you know, do with Annabelle tomorrow that you'll miss, say? Do you know what I miss the most about tomorrow is having the grandparents down because it's always a family thing. I've got two daughters, Shauna and Annabelle. Annabelle's the youngest, and she'll be 12 tomorrow. Right, but every birthday's... The grandparents come down, the auntie comes down, and, you know, we have a little bit of a cake, you know, and, you know, they get the presents, then the kids uh, would go, you know, one of the days, like it would be on Sunday, they'd go up to bounce, you know, up in Cork or something. But it's it's like, you know, I was saying to Annabelle during the week, I said, oh, it's really sad, you know, that you can't have a birthday because next year, you know, this is your last year as being a child. Next year, you're going to be a teenager. Mm. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's the family gatherings. Do you ever feel, Sean, a bit, you know, and just focus on that for a second. There she is, 12. You want to make it a big day for her and, and you can't. And do you ever feel a bit, this is a, fun, a bit guilty that you can't? I feel like I'm writing it down some days. Do you? We're letting it down, you know, because we're not giving it for the last year or so. Now, luckily enough, right, I'm, I'm, don't don't take me wrong here. I'm not saying I'm a, the greatest husband or anything, right? You know, I do my best. But ever since my kids have been small, I've always just took the kids away, left left the wife Yvonne to relax and have her time on her own. Like, and last February, because the older daughter didn't want to come because it was too cold, I would always take one of the kids away, at least one of the kids away for a week. You know, so like last February, me and Annabelle, we went up to Mayo, we went up and seen my mum, we stayed at the mobile home that we've got up in Knackle, you know. But mm. it's, that's what I miss. You know, I miss the quality time. I miss being able to do stuff with the kids as well. You know, because I work long hours and, you know, and sometimes I'll get home and I'll be tired and I'll be ratty. But the other flip side of it is, like, they know daddy's going to take us away for the week and 
No, as much as the, you know, but I think when parents are parents, right, you know, there's always one that's slightly more stricter than the others on certain things mm. where I'd be lax on some things where, and I'd be, you know, oh, you don't do this and you don't do that on the other things. But, like, just to get them away, you know, and we, we'd go off in, you know, off down to the beach, you know, like the kids were talking about uh, the the other week or something about us being out across the beach at half 12 at night and we were over on the, well, the classes of sand, the sandy banks, but it looks like a golf course. Mm. And the sheep came from out of one of the dunes and scared the life out of the kids, mm. you know. You know, and, and these are memories that will sit with them for years, you know. Yeah, and you can't you know, make them, you can't make those right yeah. now. Yeah. It's like the only thing, you, you know yourself, PJ, you've got kids. The only thing you cannot buy in life, you can be a multi-millionaire. Right. The only thing you cannot buy is time with your kids. You can give them everything, but they won't appreciate it. But it's time, spending time with them, giving them a memory that will make them smile. And do, do your girls understand the whole thing, Sean? Like, do, do they get it that... It's not that dad doesn't want to. We just can't. Did they get it? I, I think they do. The older one does. I think the, and Annabelle seems to be a bit narky and more tense and more stressed at the moment. She's not sleeping well at night. But that's probably because she's not out running around like a lunatic. You know, we, we got her a brand new bike for Christmas. She's been out on it once. And that was only up and down the road because nobody, none of the other kids where we're living are, 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 are out playing, which is fine. You know, the parents are being, you know, obeying the rules, whereas I go on to estates when I'm doing my job. And I see kids running riot all over the place, you know, and they're meant to be isolating because, you know, all you need is, like, one family to have it and their kids go out. They give it to the other kids. The kids then bring it back to their family to other families. Those families then that have picked it up from the initial child haven't realised. And it, it, it's like a snowball effect. Yeah. Well, it's, I, 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 we're going to be devoting some time to this next week, Sean, and, and if you're listening and you want to call in, I'd love to hear from you again, but I'm, just, I'm coming to the conclusion now that for, for the ordinary Sean or Mary or Tom who's done their best, who's followed the rules as best they can, who's put a bright smile on their face, even in the toughest of times, this is all getting very, very hard. It is. You know what I was even saying? You know, I say to the customers, like, it's easy to stay safe, it's just a little bit hard to stay sane. I love that. Well, well you can have that saying, PJ. <laughs> Now, now I've been saying this for the last six months. It's easy to stay safe. It's just a little bit harder to stay sane. And then when we smile and I, and I'll make a joke out of it, then I say I don't have to worry about the same past. <laughs> can, you know? you can want what you never had. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know. It's like Sean, my wife, hold on. Like my look, wife says, I will never have a midlife crisis because I'm not mature enough. Ain't that the truth? Well, you know what they say. I'll give you another one. You know, getting old, I know what age you are, I don't care. But getting older is mandatory. Growing up is a choice. Make you choose carefully. I've got it printed on a T-shirt. Growing old is compulsory. Growing up is optional. Go on, lad. Take care. Sean. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. 
This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Something that's come up over the years um, in many different guises. I spoke here on the programme a few years back to a guy who'd been caught in a honey trap. It happens. It's a kind of an online thing where you're reeled in uh, by all the things that make you feel good about yourself. And you think, I've just made a new friend. I've got someone who fancies me. This is brilliant. And before you know it, you're getting caught for money. Or you're being blackmailed. Or you're being threatened. And you're in trouble. You don't know what to do. And I spoke to a guy here in Cork a few years ago to whom this happened. Uh, But (laughs) imagine a message like this, right? Coming out of Anglesey Street Garda Station. So it didn't, right? But I'll read it. Lads, we need to have a chat about online friend requests. It started with, lads, we need to have a chat about online friend requests from random ladies with a penchant for loose and disintegrating clothing. Despite the campaigns, the glossy literature and all the warnings we're still regularly seeing blokes caught in the classic blackmail blackmail honey trap. Maybe it's because it's lockdown, but there's been a big upsurge in recent weeks of blokes being caught, quite literally, with their trousers down. Here's a guarantee from us. If you get a random friend request from a female who appears local and then shortly after starts getting hot and heavy in the chat with a few videos thrown in, you are slap bang in the middle of being scammed and blackmailed. It's a tried and tested routine. You accept the friend request, she starts the chat, it quickly gets sexual, you get sent a few videos, you send something back and bang, they've got you. The second you send that video of yourself to your brand new best friend that you didn't know five minutes ago, then the blackmail starts. So along with a picture of your mates, family and work details that they've taken from your various online profiles, they'll start demanding money. You pay it, and a few days later, they want more. It's a downward spiral. If this happens, it's not the end of the world. Contact us immediately and do not pay any money to anybody. It says contact us immediately. You're getting a hint here. The best solution, keep your zip up. Yeah, button closed and don't send any videos. These attempted blackmails are constant, so make sure your mates are aware of them too. Don't get caught out. Now, that message was issued. I said to you, imagine if it came from Angles History. It didn't. That message was released. It's an actual text of an actual police message from the Police Service of Northern Ireland. I kid you not. Graham Mulhern of Be Secure Online. It's common sense like that wakes people up, or you'd hope, wouldn't it? Good morning. Morning to you, PJ. Yep, absolutely. The whole thing is common sense. I remember the great line, PJ, from uh, uh, Billy Connolly, a stranger is not a friend you haven't met yet. It's, you know, we need to be aware of that online. And a big shout out to the Fermanagh Omar PS, Omar PSNI, because uh, that's a great message, and it's one people should listen to. 
And by the way, police station Twitter accounts and, uh, uh, in the UK are generally, some of them are quite humorous um, and uh, they, they have a, a very good attitude to it. Mm. And in some ways they're leading the fight against all of this all over Europe. Because it is still going on and people are getting hooked every single weekend. Yeah, and if you thought the Nigerian prince had disappeared, he hasn't. He's top of the charts still, and they factor it into the economic projections for the country down there. And this is just uh, this is just next level 2.0, 3.0. This goes on every day of the week, every kind of scam. And the great thing is they're behind a shield, hiding in a bush. They can never be caught usually, yeah, especially if they're outside the European Union. So they're they're free to have a go. We just need to keep our we need to keep our heads up, be aware. Common sense, and very unlikely that somebody out of the blue is going to make contact with you and suggest um, that uh, the, your relationship's going to escalate. Come on, really, that's never going to happen. Mm. Mm. But they're so good at it. Yeah, I mean, catch, even if they only catch one in a hundred. That, that's the game here, one in a hundred. Same as CEO fraud. You know, the one where, you know, the financial controller gets an email supposedly from her MD and uh, she transfers 23,000 quid uh, there and then because she was too busy and she just did it and it, lo- it was so good. Um, uh, smart people and all of us, we all get caught out all yeah. of the time. Because, Graham, it's important to stress that, isn't it? Because, look, you might read this and you might look at what kind of an idiot gets caught, caught out. Unfortunately, what will be... Who will be cut out is the target. Someone who's lonely, someone who's alone, someone who feels feels vulnerable. And yeah. a little bit of attention is all that they crave. They may have nobody else or nothing else in the world. They crave a little bit of attention. Here it is. And before they know it, they're in trouble. Yeah. And remember, we're all human and this is a human thing and we all make mistakes. And I think the message from PSNI is excellent. Just get in touch, come down the station and we'll get these fellas for you and we'll keep your pocketbook in your back trousers for you and you won't have to open it and you won't have to send them any money. And I I, I would encourage people, social media, every kind of instance, sexting, uh, commercial crime, get down to the station. The guards and the PSNI are far better at this now. Now. and they've even started training for all this kind of thing in Templemore so the next five years is going to look a lot better for, 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 for people than the last five years and the great thing is the station is much more welcoming much more understanding and uh, mm. so that's a big change and that's fantastic and one uh, thing you'll understand as well as yourself and unfortunately the judiciary are miles behind but the guards are right out front here and they've lots of practical advice Good. Good. The other thing too is, and it's important to stress, there is a a general sort of dismissal of stories like this. Dismissal of the victim. What kind of a gobshite were you? But in actual fact, that's unfair. No, totally unfair. This happens every day of the week. This could happen to the guy at the top of the pile as much as it happens. Um, large companies get taken for money every day of the week. They're supposed to report it via GDPR. They don't. And they transfer. And we're talking county councils, Ryanair, everybody. Everybody has been done or breached. So there is no shame. And by the way, the guards are so used to this now that you shouldn't feel worried. It's just, unfortunately, you might have to wait a while and explain your case while somebody behind you is looking for a driver's license or a passport. That is unfortunate. But, and if you don't, here's another piece of advice, PJ, and this works for people. If the person you're talking to or the member in the station doesn't understand what you're saying, they'll be off within 12 hours. Come back during the next watch and you'll find a better guard. 
Finally, before I let you go, Graham, I, I was oh, yeah. amazed to read during the week that still Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok and them all, you can still lie about your age and kids who shouldn't be on these platforms are on them because they don't get checked. No, and it's a money game and it's it's a money grabbing race. They want those companies they're as bad as their users. They're as, they want as many followers as they can get or download it, just like the people online, the kids and the adults using it. Um and they're they don't want to put these things in and they're going to have to be they're going to have to be dragged to the water and made to drink it uh, legally. Um TikTok has done a f- sort of aren't we great? We we've now switched the accounts of sixteen year olds to private. Um, and um, they're actually busy patting themselves around, on the back around the world on that. They think that's some great big change. We need age verification, and we need it done properly, like that article that uh, you're talking about. And we need real penalties, PJ. We need jail time. Um, we need meaningful fines. And like uh, they, Google will pay a billion-dollar fine all day long, as opposed to actually doing anything about it. Um, so we need, um, uh, and we need men like you, by the way, PJ, to keep shouting about this because you're doing a great job. All right. Graham, and no, no, no more than yourself. Take care and thank you always for being with us on the show. That's Graham Mulhern of Be Secure Online. You can find his website. There's lots of helpful information there. Those honey traps are still out there. Um, be careful. I love, absolutely love what the, the PS and I have done. Keep your zip up, keep your button closed, and don't send any videos. This on the educators, the childcare people from earlier on, and the shock and low wages. Caroline, hi PJ. I totally agree with everything that woman said about childcare educators. Sorry, I didn't catch her name. Tim's was her name. I tuned in halfway in. It's an issue across the world. I got my early childhood education and care qualification in Australia five years ago. It's the exact same story with pay and benefits. I didn't last long in that career. I planned to work in childcare when I came back to Ireland. But I soon found out that it was so little pay here too. <laughs> Just wasn't the way to go if you wanted to, to earn a living, I guess. Uh, Elizabeth, what an outrage that early year educators are treated so poorly. I certainly didn't realise that their working conditions were that bad. They are the first step in our child's journey outside of the home. Why are they not treated like the primary and secondary school teachers? Especially since we know so much more about the importance of the early years and its impact on a person's life. We entrust our children to their capable care and then treat them like this. And I was saying during the week, I've said it more than once, it would be right and only right and proper if every worker had a union behind them as strong as the INTO or the ASTI or the TUI because you mightn't like what they stand for, but they stand for their workers, they stand for their members. And if the union representing that early years sector... We're as strong as the other unions. We mightn't be having the conversation we just had an hour ago. Thanks very much. 1850-715-996. Finally today, Pamela, you're looking for someone. Now, the chances are that this person might not be with us any longer, but you'd still like to know what happened to them or what became of them. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thank you for having me on. Oh, delighted. Now, your granddad saved someone from the River Lee in 1961. This is where it starts. How did you find this out? Okay, so it was a story in our house growing up that um, my mother and father would have told us that my granddad was involved in saving a life. Now, being young, I wouldn't have taken it very seriously and just this immense proudness that my grandfather did save someone's life. 
And then a couple of days ago, going through some paperwork that belonged to my parents, um, they both passed now, I actually found a certificate from the Council of Recognition of Bravery Acts. And it showed that my grandfather received this certificate for saving a life on the 16th of April, 1961, uh, by taken a human life at the out of the River Lee. So it was really exciting just to see it in black and white. So then it had me thinking, I wonder is this person still alive? Did this person go on to have a good life? Do they have a family? And just for myself, I would just like to know. So I put it up on the post on um, Cork where we sported and played. Yeah. And some people came back to me. And then my cousin on my mum's side, Linda, found out a little bit more information. So what they came back with was that um, Thomas O'Neill, which, or Thomas O'Neill, which was my granddad, at about 8.15pm on the 16th of April, 1961, while crossing from Partick Street to Partick Bridge, Cork, he noticed a number of people on the bridge looking into the water. There was a man in the River Lee and Mr O'Neill dived in. He swam towards the man who was struggling in the water Mr. O'Neill brought the man to the key wall where they were hauled out of the water and to safety. So that's about the information that I have. Your your dad or your granddad, I think you have a family of swimmers and rescuers around you, don't you? Well, yes. The same cousin Linda reminded me that my father, um, while in Robert's Cove, when we were all very young, uh, dived into the sea to rescue uh, two boys that were in trouble in the sea and managed to save them. But I was way too young to to remember that, but that did happen. Right. So, yes. So we're looking at April 1961, 16th of April. It would have been a spring evening, around about half past eight. And uh, now it's quite a long time ago. It was a man, not a child. Initially, we thought it was a child, a man. I did initially think it was a child until Linda got this piece of information. So it's obviously a man. So I don't know if it was a young man, an, an elderly man, but it was definitely a man at this mm. stage. What do you know about your granddad that you could tell us? Um, my granddad was a character. Uh, he worked on the Innes Fallon um, for most of his life. And then when he retired, uh, he just loved bingo and snuff. So he would go to bingo seven nights a week if he was allowed and have his snuff. Um, He married my grandmother, Mary O'Neill, and they both settled down in uh, Rappican Road and then moved up to Macy's where they had nine children. And he was just great. He was a great character. We used to love going up and... Um, listening to him and his stories of the Innes Fallon and my father then joined him on the Innes Fallon and they both had some wonderful stories that they would tell us in the Innes Fallon was it was a great a, a great old boat I would not at once once or twice uh, so you he never knew or knew never he never knew who this person was did he I don't know because that wouldn't have been a conversation I would have had with my granddad. Like when I remember being told about it, being young, when you're young, it's just like, oh, yeah, that's great, fantastic. But as you get older, you, you realise how serious the deed was. And when I saw the search in the black and white in front of me, I thought, God, yes, I remember mum and dad telling me about this, but not realising that he actually got a bravery award for it. Yeah. It's the longest of long shots, but one of one of our listeners, I think it might have been Frank, tagged me into your post yesterday on Cork where we sported and played, and I thought I need to find out a little bit more about about it. It would be it would be a miracle among miracles if we w- could find out even what happened to that man. 
It would be, but it would be fantastic, wouldn't it, to know just how this man's life went on and did he have a good life? Did he emigrate? Did he stay in Ireland? You know, it would be just great to hear if anybody knew anything about this man and, and how his life went on for him. Who knows? He, he, he may well be. He may well be alive. He's God. He might be. That would be great. Okay. If anybody can can um, can help, they can contact us, or if they can remember, you'd you'd never know. Uh, that would be brilliant, and you have my number. If we you have contact there, me. There was, there was the, the story at, of the letter, the Santi letter at Christmas, and how that all worked out when people had actually given up on it. But look, April the sixteenth, nineteen sixty-one, around half eight in the evening, a man rescued from the River Lee by a guy called Thomas O'Neill, and here is Thomas's granddaughter, who would absolutely love to find out what happened afterwards. It's open, It might nothing might happen, and something might happen. Pam, have a nice weekend. Thank you very much, PJ, for having me on. Have a lovely weekend yourself. Take care. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.